everyone. Welcome to the Girl Above Parent Podcast, a show that provides tangible tips, insights, and resources to help parents navigate tough topics and improve their relationship with their adolescent. I'm Krista DeYoung, the founder of Girl Above, and today we're here with Lori Wildenberg, which is very exciting because there is no one better to talk about parent issues with than Lori. I feel like you've blazed a trail in a lot of ways with this stuff. So Lori is a licensed family and parent educator, author of soon to be six books, and she's a national speaker. Lori and her husband, Tom, have four young adult children and their family is experiencing a growth spurt. So they are adding in-laws, they have grandbabies on the way, and they also have a really adorable golden doodle who happens to maybe be the long lost twin of my golden doodle. So we have that in common, but today Lori's going to talk to us about four ways to foster hope in a hard world filled with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation, which is a great topic to be talking about right now because in Colorado, Colorado pediatricians just declared a state of emergency um, due to the skyrocketing numbers of suicide attempts in our young people. So that's something that's happening in Colorado right now, post-pandemic. Um, Lori, how did you get into all this parent stuff? How did we end up here? <laughs> Six books later. Um, well, I was an elementary teacher for 10 years. And then um, toward the end of my career as a teacher, I ended up having, you know, starting to have a family. And I've always loved teaching and I love parenting. Both are great passions and I love the Lord and I wanted to put it all together. And I discovered the way to do that was through parent and family education. And so I went and got my parent and family educator license and started teaching in the schools and then also at my church where I could actually weave my faith in. Um, I still did in the schools, but I maybe wouldn't like say a verse, right? Because God's wisdom is all wisdom. So I would still, you know, teach in the same way, but not maybe refer to the Bible. But um, anyway, so then I started teaching at my church and the class that I first taught, whoa, um, I thought maybe 25 people would show up for the class. There ended up to be over 100 and it kind of shocked me and scared me a little bit. And so I needed to have small group leaders. And during that time, as I started teaching that class, um, people were telling me that I needed to put that information in a book. And then one of my small group discussion leaders said that she'd always wanted to author a book and she thought this was the material. So um, of my six books, the first three I co-authored with Becky Danielson. And then um, since that time, I've been you know, writing on um, other things as well, like you know, depression and anxiety and also um, prodigal type issues. So yeah, so that's how I got into it. Great. Thanks for that. It's so true. When we did our first Girl Above Parent event, it blew our minds as well, which I think goes to just show that parents are in need of support. And it's not just one parent here or there. It's basically all parents 
of especially adolescents. So if you are listening to this, you are not alone. So let's dive into our topic of four ways to foster hope in this world right now. So what would some of those four ways be? Well, first, I want to say thanks for doing this podcast because we've got to get the word out. And it Mm -hmm. it is a state of emergency. And I would guess all of us have in some ways been touched either directly or indirectly um, having a young person we know or related to or even our own child going through either anxiety, depression, um, suicidal ideation, and and maybe even some have um, actually, you know, had death by suicide and we have got to deal with this and there krista there are things where people have said experts have said this is the new normal okay no this is this is not the new normal and we can as parents have great influence now we can't fix everything but we sure can do a lot to hopefully prevent and set the stage we can't accept this um, you know, these, this mental illness, this mental distress as the new normal. And we have got to tackle it. And there's even some studies where it shows most states will say that suicide in young people is the second leading cause of death. Now, there are some states that are now actually saying suicide is the top. Typically, um, accidents have taken first place and suicide is coming right up alongside it. Um, in terms of taking that top position, which is, it's frightening and it's not okay. Right. So, anyway. And so I agree with you. We can't just say, yeah, it's totally normal that maybe my child will want to end their life. That's, that's not something that we can just stand for. Um, give us a little bit of background really quick before we go into how to build hope within our families and our children. But Why is it that these kids feel so hopeless and that they're, that we are in this state of emergency? What are some of the things that you see happening? Oh gosh, that's such a good question. You know, they don't have hope because they may not think they have a purpose. They, they could think that perhaps everyone is happy all the time because of social media Um, And we'll really talk about that a little bit more, but those are really purpose and the lack of feeling like, oh, my life isn't as good or the same or as exciting or happy as someone else's. And also we can contribute to that feeling of helplessness if we end up focusing a lot on um, each person needing to be independent. And um, that's, that's actually something we need, really need to pay attention to. And the reason that this topic is really important personally to me, I mean, it's important professionally, right? But personally, this has touched me because my youngest child, um, and she's spoken about this publicly, and she helped, my, helped me write this next book that I've got, Messy Hope, coming up. She actually... Um, attempted suicide. She had a failed attempt. And um, it's just so important that we start to look at the way that we are parenting so that we parent for interdependence and that 
you know, we help our kids find resiliency, but it's not just resiliency that our kids need. They need hope because if you keep working on just resiliency, that it's like elastic. Pretty soon you can't pull that any further. There needs to be more than that, more than resiliency, more than positivity. And um, that's kind of where I've got my, my four points that I think will really help moms and dads be a little proactive in terms of hopefully either, you know, stopping something or preventing something or giving their kids tools before they get to a place where it's kind of hard to, you know, gain those tools if they're in the middle of, you know, great depression or anxiety. So, um, and one of the first things that I think, as I mentioned before, is the interdependence that our kids know it's okay to ask for help. And, and don't you think, Krista, in this society, we have gotten to the place where we think we have to do it all alone and that there's even shame in asking for help? And um, you know, you're, you're working with the young people directly. Do you see them feeling shame and asking for help? Because I know that parents, when their kids are struggling, they're embarrassed or filled with shame, not when their kids are little, but when their kids reach these, you know, tween to young adult years, they feel like, oh, it's my fault. They feel shame. What, what are you seeing? I would say I definitely see that in the adults. In a lot of ways, the adults are more hesitant to seek the support and help that they need for that reason, feeling embarrassed, like this is my fault as a parent, you know, so they don't seek out the help. I think young people are so hungry and desperate for authenticity that they really, really want to talk about it, which parents might not see. And I think it comes down to that relationship that you have with your kid. If they feel comfortable talking to you, if you are a parent who's really open and willing to talk about emotions and circumstances and you're okay sitting in the uncomfortable Mm -hmm. mess with them before you jump to consequences and, you know, next steps, then I think those kids feel more comfortable talking to their parents. If they feel like they're just going to get punished and in trouble right away, then Mm -hmm. it's not, it's just not, it doesn't feel safe for them to go to their parents. Yeah. So I just met with a student a few weeks ago who had had a suicide attempt the week prior. And, you know, she had never met me before. We were doing an intake session and she just like laid it all out there, Mm -hmm. you know, let me know everything. It did not take, it took me less than a 50 minute time block to hear all of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that shows me how desperate these kids are to have somebody know what's going on in their life. And not every kid is like that, but I think that they really need support because right now they are totally floundering out there yeah. in the world, desperate for some sort of like legitimate, actual rooted direction, not like a, Hey, you do whatever you want. You do you because they're not doing well just doing them, if that makes sense. It does. And, you know, there's also somehow there sometimes feels like there's more comfort in speaking to someone that you don't know as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, sometimes our kids actually want to protect us. They don't want the parent to hurt or feel bad for them or worry about them. They want to show that they can handle things on their own. And, and that's something that I think is really critical for us as parents to show that we can um, talk about how in our own lives, how we have needed to reach out and ask for help. And so that they don't feel like, gosh, you know, I'm in college, I need to deal with this on my own. And, and I know that that was, my, my daughter shared some of her struggles with me, but there was a lot of her thinking, I'm an adult, I'm in this space, I need to deal with this by myself. So and is then, that kind of, sorry, is that kind of what you mean by like making sure that we don't stress independence too yes, much? Yes. Because okay. we want, what we want to do is raise responsible kids, right? But if we think of what independence really means, that's independent from other people. That's an island under yourself. That's independent from God. And so what we really want is responsible young adults, responsible people, and also ones who are, you know, can rely and know that they can depend on their family, um, other, other people as well, not just, you know, not just their family, but others as well. And that's interdependence. And that's where the strength of relationship, that's relationship. And we want to raise kids who are responsible and also comfortable in relationship to, like you say, to be real rather than feel like they've got to carry all this on their own. That's independence. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. I love it. If you are new to this podcast, you can go back to our episode. I believe it's called The Culture of Adolescence. It's one of the very first ones where we talk about in their adolescent culture, the drive to be excellent. And if they're not excellent, they believe that they're nothing. And I think this kind of fits in there in the sense of feeling like I have to be so good at school and my sports and you know, I have to look perfect online, but also I have to be perfect for my family and I have to be a great problem solver. And so they really don't want to be seen or perceived as weak or inept in any area. And so letting your kids know, hey, it's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to come to us when you're struggling, I think helps combat a little bit of that perfectionistic neurotic sense to like have it all together all the time. That is so good. There's so much pressure on young people today to be the best of the best in absolutely everything. And I think it's so important for them to know that they can be human and struggle with some stuff. And, you know, I barely made it through math in school, but actually I'm still just fine and I've made it through life and I don't balance our checkbook. My husband does because I'll make a big old mess of that. It's okay because there's somebody else who can also fill in the blanks where we're, we're struggling or 
you know, we haven't figured something out yet. And that's all good. And that is part of that interdependence to understand that, hey, you know, we can't do it all because we're human and we're not meant to do it all. If we could do it all and we could all do it all perfectly, what would we need to be in relationship with someone for? And what would we need to be in relationship with the Lord for? You know, we perfection is really um, not the goal. The goal is to be in process and to be in relationship. And, you know, to always, you know, try to stretch yourself. But um, yeah, we put too much pressure, academic and all kinds of other pressures on our kids. And they, sometimes they do it to themselves too. I was just going to say that like a great way to combat some of this is to make, when I talk to kids about like, where did that expectation come from? You know, was it somebody actually telling you, you have to be perfect all the time at everything? You know, did your parents really say that? And they're like, well, no. So helping them identify where did that expectation come from? Most of the time, it's a combination of like, well, that's just kind of what's required at school mm-hmm. with coaches. Um, nobody really assumes that they're just going to f- go through life kind of being mediocre. So it just kind of is. And a great way to combat that is to verbalize over and over again with your kid that it's okay to come to you to have you know these open conversations with their struggles because they just need the reminder. At school, they're trying to be so with it all the time that if they feel like they can come home, take a deep breath, and that that's, that that's okay, then that's great. And that doesn't mean as a parent, I feel like I have to give this caveat because it makes parents nervous. That doesn't mean you have to say, hey, it's okay if you just get whatever grades you want and if you don't show up for practice and if you don't do all these things. That's not really what we're saying. We're talking about more the emotional aspect of things and that conversationally and relationally, they can come to you and you can be a safe place for them to feel their feelings. Yeah. And if they have messed up to still be that safe place. Right. Great point. You know? mm-hmm. And that's okay. We all do. And all when I, when I work with parents of teens, I'll start out the you know, the workshop and I'll say, how many of you were like the perfect teen? And actually there are a few that, you know, will kind of raise their hand. And then I'll say, how many of you, um, you know, never ever lied to your parents? And I am telling you a hundred percent of those hands go down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, teenagers show you what they want to show you. And they're no different than, you know, we were when we were at that age. And for us to just to remember, they are learning. And even though 16 sounds like a lot, 16 years on this earth isn't that long. And, you know, they are still learning and they're all, they're trying to figure it out. And if they can have experience grace, you know, and sometimes there's going to be consequences with that, you know, but if they can experience grace and know that their parents aren't going to go crazy when, you know, they've stepped off the path or they've, they are feeling, you know, they're feeling bad, you know, that their parents can actually handle that. 
um, you know, to be that, as you say, that emotionally safe place is really critical. Love it. So let's say that your child is in a state of, you know, feeling hopeless, struggling with anxiety, depression, some suicidal ideation. What are some tangible tips? Like what are some ways to find hope for these parents? Yeah. Well, for parents to actually help their kids as their kids are going through life and probably not exactly in the moment if their child is in deep depression, this is not something that will help. But prior to that, so that hopefully you had that off at the pass, is to give them a different view of life, a different view of struggles. Give them that out-of-the-box perspective where they can see things like, oh gosh, a struggle isn't such a bad thing because look at I can learn how to be a hard worker, how to persevere in these difficult times. I can also understand how to be thankful even when things aren't working out because this is something that I learned along the way. So if we can give them that tool before they're in the depths of the depths of an out-of-the-box perspective, I think that's really important. But with the two caveats that we don't do emotional bypassing, that we don't slide over whatever grief that they might be having if something doesn't work out well. Let them feel that feeling. And you had mentioned before, Krista, that that can be kind of uncomfortable because we want our kids to feel okay. But better that they are able to be okay with not being okay, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that we can be okay with that. And um, also just not to disregard again, you know, their, their struggle, but to acknowledge that, but have the, also have the tools of the out of the box perspective. And I think sometimes kids, you know, we're, we have tunnel vision, we all do, right? And our kids have it even sharper. And so they, they need to be able to broaden their vision just a little bit. So sometimes that broadening, that training comes post-struggle. And, you know, let's say they, they didn't make the cheer team, you know. In the midst of that, it's not going to help them to say, you need an out-of-the-box perspective, right? (laughs) That's not going to be helpful at all. Um, I remember one time my, my youngest one, um, she, this was post the suicide and she was getting, you know, attempt and she was getting pretty healthy, but still things could hit her pretty hard. And she had interviewed for two nursing jobs and one, um, one of the jobs she preferred over the other. Well, she heard back from the one that was maybe her more second choice, and she got that job. And then um, she was excited about that. And then a week later, she heard from the, and she accepted it, right? And a week later, she heard from her preferred one, got that job. And she had to turn it down because she made this commitment, and she's very upset about it. And so 
you know, part of me wanted to go, it's okay, you know, this is the job God's got for you. This is how it's supposed to be. This is meant to be. Well, she didn't need any platitude from me. And that is kind of where I, inside my brain, I kind of wanted to go. But thankfully, the Lord put a big old guard over my mouth. And I just said, yeah, that is kind of disappointing, you know. So grieve that. It's okay to grieve that for a while, but don't stay there. And I, I think those are the the things that um, if we can kind of come alongside rather than try to pull them out of it, I, I think that is maybe a little bit more helpful and that helps them get to the place where they can have that out of the box perspective. And I can tell you months later after my daughter had been working in the job that was her less preferred one, she called me up. It was a couple months later, maybe even three months later. And she said, oh my gosh, mom, this was the job God had for me. Mm -hmm. This was the right job. So then she could have her out of the box perspective. It doesn't come right away and you can't force that. So what might be an example? And I think you just gave a little bit of one, but what might be an example of that emotional bypassing that you mentioned? that it's all going to be okay, God's got this, you know, just brushing over the feelings and trying to quickly move them to happiness mode. Mm -hmm. We don't want to bypass that emotion. We want to sit there with them in it. Yet, and every parent knows their kid well, what we don't want to do is sit in it too long, okay? Mm -hmm. Because then then that can take on a whole new life of its own. So you have to kind of feel it out in terms of now it's time to move forward. So finding that balance between yeah. like sitting with them in it, mm -hmm. um, having that empathy and also trying to coach them or yeah. walk with them to a healthier place. And I think what makes it so hard for parents and even, you know, for me sometimes sitting with these kids you graduate high school and about five minutes later, your world opens up, your perspective broadens because now you're out in the world and it's not just centered on high school or even college, but um, we have something that the teenagers don't have, which is a little bit of hindsight. Not only are our brains fully developed, that helps. <laughs> but you can look back on some things and say, you know what, that was hard, but I got through it. And here's where it landed and it ended up being better than I could have imagined. And like that hindsight helps build a little bit of a backbone and they don't have that all the time. So one of the things that makes that emotional bypassing so tempting is that in a lot of ways, we know they'll be okay. You know, you know that they'll find new friends, you know that they're going to recover from the breakup or from whatever. And so you want to say that like ah. when your kid is struggling, it's like, oh, it's going to be okay. You'll find new friends. You're, And then, but they just, they can't, they really, really can't. They are in it. That high school situation is their entire world. And sometimes when they experience something hard or breakup or whatever, um, they feel physically like they are not going to survive, you know, like their yeah. life is over. And so that's just a little thing that I like to remind parents of is like, just be glad you have the hindsight and help your kid, you know, through it because they just, yes. they don't have it. Yeah. And that's all great experience for them to have. 
to mm -hmm. walk through that hard stuff. But yeah, I mean, all we have to do too, Krista, is just think of ourselves. When we feel a disappointment, I don't want someone to come to me with a platitude and tell me it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to do then is try to um, convince them that this is super hard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then I, I would be in a place of trying to, you know, show them and convince them. Well, then we're, we're actually making it worse when we, we do try to pull somebody out right away, rather than just let them experience the feeling for a few minutes, you know, mm -hmm. let them, let them go through this a little bit with you by their side. And again, each parent knows their kid well, like there are some kids that could really get stuck and park there. And, and we don't want them to park there. This is a temporary place. And I love what you said about um, they've made it through hard things. Mm -hmm. And we, we can even say, you know, at the right time, you have made it through 100% of your hard things. This will be one of those, you mm -hmm. know, but they have, they've made it through 100%. And um, there, there's a lie out there, which brings us to another one of my points um, in terms of helping kids, is that they need to be happy all the time. They need to have big adventures all the time. And social media has really fed into that. And they don't realize when they're looking at somebody else's, you know, Instagram account or you know, whatever they're, they're checking out that, that they're putting out their best of the best. Right. And, and what, you know, the individual knows is that they themselves are putting out the best of the best, but they don't realize other people are doing the same thing. And I, I really wish that I had talked to my daughter about that a little bit more, because that was a huge impact on her, that social media. So our kids need to know that their life is going to be full of things that make them angry. It's going to be full of things that make them sad. It's going to be full of things that frighten them. And it's going to be full of things that make them happy. And happiness is a fourth of life. So we aren't going to be there all the time. We are going to have other experiences as well. I love that. Setting that realistic expectation, setting the stage to say, you know, we don't just leap from mountaintop to mountaintop in our life. Um, but we, you know, travel through these valleys along the way. And you are absolutely correct in saying that they believe everyone else is happy except for them. And that is that kind of social media highlight reel thing that they're living through. Yeah. And it's in some ways, it's sort of a human thing too. You know, when you, mm. you're comparing somebody's life and you all, we tend to think somebody has it better yes. than us, you know, that's I all do, of us. Yeah. yeah, That's kind mm -hmm. of a human condition. And I love it that you said the realistic thing. Oh my gosh, that is so good because, you know, being positive is really great but it can be sort of toxic sometimes because sometimes again it can lead to emotional bypassing mm -hmm. being trying to be so positive what actually is more effective with our kids is to be realistic mm -hmm. and that that is actually the more important thing 
So I'm so glad you brought that up. And they're actually really um, able to handle that. The, the students, like, at least from my experience, you can talk to them like an adult. Um, they're a lot more capable than we think. And, you know, understanding that they're not adults is good. But they can they don't need to be quite as maybe coddled as we think because they're living through hard stuff. You know, a lot of their friends are, you know, addicted to porn. Maybe they're addicted to drugs. These kids are going like there are hard things happening in high school yes. and college. And so how are we gonna communicate with them in this in a way that is like meaty and tangible and it's to meet them where they're at? So yes. All of the things, those are so, I just love it. All the good advice. So anything else that you want to add to that before we wrap up some final words of wisdom to anyone who's listening? Well, I think if our kids can always know they're not alone and that God is with them because, you know, when they're off at college, they're not with, you know, with their parents all the time. And, um, even, you know, losing a friend or having issues with friends, that God is still with them. And if we can get past that independent spirit and let our kids know that they have a heavenly father who has created them on purpose, for a purpose, who loves them, who wants to come alongside them, that's something that lasts a lifetime. And, um, you know, whether they're under our roof or somewhere else, that's, that's something that they always have. And I think that that's really important for our kids. And that's something that, you know, we can train them in as, you know, all the way along that they know that God is with them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. So how can people find you and the work that you're doing. You have, you're coming up on six books. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, yeah. What are all things Lori? That <laughs> so um, my website is Lori, L-O-R-I, Wildenberg, W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. So you can find me there and you can find my books there. I don't sell them off of my website. So you'd have to either go to New Hope Publishers or to Amazon to find, find the books. Um, uh, the book that you know speaks to what we're talking about today is called Messy Hope. And um, Messy Hope, Help Your Child Overcome uh, Anxiety, Depression, or Suicidal Ideation. And there's lots of tips in there that I think are, are really important for parents, no matter where they are, either, you know, entering a, a preteen phase or, you know, even in the midst of a terrible struggle, um, that book will meet their needs. Um, so, and you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, Lori Apple Wildenberg is my, you know, Facebook page, my Facebook profile page, personal one, but also at uh, Moms Together, where we have over 20,000 mamas that have joined us on that page. And then in the group, we've got 
uh, gosh, I forget how many, but over 2,000 people in our Moms Together group, which is very active and interactive. And um, you can find us there. And I have an author page as well. So you can find me all over Facebook and also Instagram. Those are, those are the places. And then a podcast, a Moms Together podcast, which has, um, I believe we have nine episodes on there. And then a Moms Better Together pop podcast, which has two seasons worth each having um, seven episodes, so 14 episodes total. So yeah, I'm kind of like all over the internet. <laughs> it sounds like it. You just go wherever and there she'll be. Well, I think that speaks to the fact that you've really invested in this topic and that you have a wealth of resources to offer parents. So I hope that you guys go check out everything that Lori is doing. And Lori, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me, Krista. Of course. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for listening. And as always, you can visit girlabove.com for more parent resources and to access our online courses. And if you want to learn more about what we're doing, get involved or donate, you can do that on the website as well. And we appreciate your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or Google, wherever you're listening to podcasts, that really helps us out. And we will see you next time.